story two of short stories of william henry harrison murray this librivox recording is in the public domain story two the leaf of red rose the old trapper's story a story why yes if henry there will translate it and put it in verse and print as he promised to do when it happened will he do it i doubt he dislikes to dabble with rhyme and with measure says that good honest prose is the best and the sweetest if the words be well chosen short saxon and pithy and that making a verse is the business of women of green boys at school and of lovers when spooning but try him it may be he will for a lesson is in it and that makes it worth telling the woods have their secrets and sorrows and struggles as well as the cities you can find in the woods many things if you look beside trees rocks and mountains jack whitcomb he said his name was though i doubted for the name on his bosom tattooed in purple didn't point quite that way but that doesn't matter one name in the woods is as good as another if a man answers to it and it's easily spoken so we called him jack whitcomb and asked nothing further brave why of course he was brave men are not cowards cowards don't come to the woods they stay in the cities where policemen are thick and the streets are all lighted in the woods men trail with their ears and eyes open and sleep when they sleep with their hands on their rifles why well panthers are plenty and cunning and quiet and a man is a fool that goes carelessly stumbling under trees where they crouch under crags where they gather furthermore with the saints now and then there are sinners that live in the woods and some half-breeds are wicked and know nothing of law unless taught by a bullet i've done what i could to teach knaves the commandments yes jack whitcomb was brave brave as the bravest his glance was as keen and his mouth was as silent as a trailer's should be who looks and who listens by day and by night having no one to talk to his finger was quick when it handled the trigger, and his eye loved the sights as lightning loves rivers. I've seen him stand up when the odds were against him. Stand up like a man who takes coolly the chances. That proves he was brave, as I understand it. One day we were boating on far Mistassini. We were fetching the portage above the great rapids, where they whirled, roaring down, freshet full, at their whitest, when we saw from a rock that stretched outward and over the wild hissing water as it swept on in thunder, a canoe coming down, rolling over and over, with a little papoose clinging tight to the lashings, and as it lanced by, Jack went in like an otter. How he did it, God knows, but at the foot of the rapids, half a mile farther down, racing onward, I found him, high and dry on the beach, in a faint like a woman, with the little papoose pulling away at his jacket. And when he came to, he put child to his shoulder, nor stopped till it lay in the arms of its mother. We were trailing, Henry and I, trailing and trapping in the land of the north, where fur was the thickest, and knaves were as plenty as mink or as otter. We took turns at sleeping, and trailed our line double to keep our own skins if we didn't get others. It was folly to say where we were, and we knew it. For the knaves, they got thicker, and soon there was shooting, getting on pretty lively. But we held to the business and scouted the line once a week like true trappers. 
and no accident happened save some holes in our jackets and my powder horn emptied by a vagabond's bullet so we mended our clothing and felt pretty lively but the signs pointed one way our enemies thickened around us each day and we weren't quite decided to stand in for a fight and settle the matter or pull up our traps and get out of the country when it settled itself and in this way it happened we were scouting the lake on the west shore one morning to find the knaves camp and how many were in it when a short space ahead there came of a sudden a crash as of thunder and we knew that a dozen or twenty placed rifles had burst an ambushment and then in an instant there sounded another two sharp twin reports and the death yells that followed told us as we listened where the lead had been driven knew who he was of course the man was jack whitcomb do you think men who live by trapping and shooting don't learn to distinguish the voice of their rifles jack was trailing the lake to find our encampment for far away in the south there had come to his cabin a rumor that we in the northland were holding our line and our furs with a good deal of shooting so he left his own traps and came by swift trailing to give us the help of another good rifle that was just like jack whitcomb if you were in trouble he was there by your side you could always count on him with finger on trigger and both barrels loaded so henry and i both took to our covers right and left of the trail jack must take in retreating we didn't wait long for the boy knew his business and soon he came backward loading and running like a man who was busy but wouldn't be hurried beyond his own gate if he stopped there forever as he passed our two covers i piped him a whistle and he stopped in his tracks and with low pleasant laughter stood there in full view coolly capping the nipples i have shot on each gulf both southern and northern i have trailed the long trail between either ocean brave men i have seen both in good and in evil but never a braver than the man called jack whitcomb well why describe it call it scrimmage or battle it was done in a minute or it may be a dozen it came like a whirlwind and we three were in it as men are in whirlwinds it came like the thunder with a crash and a roar and a long-running rumble dying down into silence there were dead and some wounded and a few lucky knaves that fled wildly backward and henry and i when it passed were left standing by the body of him whose name was jack whitcomb who lay as he fell when headlong he tumbled his rifle still clenched and both barrels smoking i have seen in my life many wounds made by bullets and a good many gashes by spear-points and arrows i have learned in my trailing a good many simples which have power to keep men from crossing the river before the lord calls with voice that is certain and the wound that we found on jack whitcomb's body though ugly and deep was not beyond curing we cleansed and we stanched it and fought a brave battle with death for his life and we won for jack mended we made a canoe and we bore him far southward a hundred good miles down the river we boated till we came to his house of huge logs strongly builded beneath the big pines on the bank of a rapid which under it flowed its soft rush of brown water twas a place to bring peace to a heart that was troubled if peace might be found this side of the silence which brings peace to all that know sorrow in living 
yes we boated him down to his home by the rapids his home no rather his house let us call it for how can a house be a home with naught in it in house that is home must be love warm and human a voice that is sweet a heart that is gentle a soul that is true and besides these a cradle that prattles and coos and the quick-falling patter of little white feet that run hither and thither to his house and not to his home then we brought him for certainly nothing and no one was in it save himself and a dog a bed and a table some chairs a few books and a picture and this was the story that he told us in dying the man might have lived beyond doubt had he cared to but he didn't no motive he said and he had none as we felt later on when he told us his story so he died without word or sign and in silence we stood and saw him go forth on his journey without speaking a word without a hand lifted to hold or to stop him for we did not feel certain what was wisdom for one who went forth in such fashion perhaps it was best he should go and be over with pain loss and trouble for ever and ever henry says it were well we should all of us go when life has no aim and no hope and no doing remains to be done and days are but eating and drinking and breathing only these and no more but before he went forth he gave me a message i loved her so his story began henry you remember the look on his face as he said it as he lay with his eyes fixed fast on the picture she was strong and she drew me as life draws the young and as death draws the old i could not resist her she was vital with force to attract and to hold she raced me a race for my life and she won it i was man not a boy and i loved as man loves when the forces of life are in him full-blooded as rivers in meadows when they flow to the sedges did she love me perhaps who can tell she was woman and hence she was dark as the night and as hidden who could find her who the depth of her nature might measure i tried but could not then boldly i spake spake as man speaks but once unto woman true and straight did i say it man fashion but she drew back offended she shrank from my praying and with coldness of tone and suspicion dismissed me had a man shown a tithe of that look in his eye on his face he or i would have died on the instant but what can a man do when scorned by a woman so i left her i need not say more my life it was ended it wasn't worth living i am made in that fashion so i came to the woods where else when in trouble can man go and find what he needs consolation go you down to her house in the city john norton to the house where she lives and give her this message word for word let her hear it say where you left me there's gold in that box to pay your expenses word for word as i tell you nor say a word further then he bade us good-bye and marched away bravely as a man on a trail that is somewhat uncertain and under the pines on the bank of the rapids we buried the man whom the woods called jack whitcomb and the picture he loved we placed on his bosom i went down to her house in the city a cabin of stone brown as tamarack bark 
trimmed with olive it was high as a pine that stands on a mountain the door was as wide as the mouth of a cavern at the door stood a man rigged up like a soldier his face was as solemn as judgment to sinners he looked at me some and i looked him all over then he suddenly bowed like a half-breed with manners and told me to enter and he would call madame the room was as large as a town-house where settlers hold meetings to vote themselves office and wages the walls were like caves in far arizona all covered with pictures of houses and battles of ships blown onward by gales in mid-ocean of children with wings pretty queer-looking creatures of men and of women and some were half-naked but the floor was of oak which gleamed like a polish and with mats thick as moss and with skins it was covered so i felt quite at home as there i stood looking and noting the size and signs of the cabin then all of a sudden there came a soft rustle like the rustle of leaves when the wind blows in autumn and down the wide stairway across the great hall to the door of the room in which i was standing stately and swift came a woman and entered tall as the tallest made firmly knit firmly both in form and in limb but full and well-rounded dark of eye dark of face with hair like a raven like the girls of nevada where live the old races whose blood is as fire and whose skin is of olive whose mouths are as sweet as a fig when it ripens arms bare to the shoulders neck and bosom uncovered her gown of white satin gleamed and flowed downward and round her in folds of soft creamy whiteness no ring on her hand nor in ear not a circle of gold round her throat one armlet of silver and one at her wrist loosely clasped small and slender so she entered and stood and looked me all over then slowly she spake your name sir and business madame i said in the woods men call me john norton john norton the trapper then i stopped mighty sudden for her face it grew white to the lips and the chin and she swayed as a tree to the stroke of the chopper when he sinks his axe into the heart and it totters and quivers so i stopped stopped quick and stood looking then her dark face it lighted and she said speaking quickly john norton i know you i know you are honest you live in the woods you are good i can trust you all men i have heard come to you in their trouble have you seen in the north have you met in the woods has there come to your cabin a man tall as you brave as you and as tender a man like to this and out of her gown from the folds on her bosom she lifted a locket of pearl-coloured velvet touched a spring and i saw as the lid of it opened the face of the man i and henry had buried john norton she cried and her eyes burned like fever her hand shook and trembled her face was as marble have you seen in the woods man like to this picture speak quick and speak true as to woman in trouble for i did him wrong i thought he held lightly my fair name and fame held lightly my honour i thought he meant evil and my heart filled with anger dismissed him in scorn but i learned i learned later he was true and spake truth and loved me as heaven 
then i stood and i looked and held my face steady so it gave her no sign of what i was thinking i saw she was honest and i wished then to spare her but my word it was pledged pledged to him in dying to stand as i stood face to face with this woman in her house in that room and give her his message beside not to know is far worse than the knowing at times so i rallied and told her the message word for word as he charged the night he lay dying in his house on the bank above the swift rapids madame i said i have seen a man like that picture face and form he was brave as you say he was tender he was true unto death and he loved you as heaven and these are the words that he sent you in dying i a man of the woods bring you this as last message from one who now sleeps on the bank of the rapids of that northern river which pours its brown water to the lake of st john from far mistassini tell her john norton i loved her loved her in living with a love that was true and with same love in dying loved her like a man like a saint like a sinner for time now and time ever that the one picture she gave me i kept living dying and after that it lies on the breast of the man that you buried on the breast of the man who living did love her and that there it will lie until it shall crumble with heart underneath it to dust so tell her and in proof that i tell her the truth and i did tell it that night when we met and i told her i loved her give her this the watch that i wore on the evening we met and the evening we parted let her open and see with her eyes let her see that i loved her so say and no more thus i spake word for word as he told me i spake i gave her the watch and i said no word further i had done as i pledged i had said as he charged me so i stopped and stood waiting for word of dismissal but she said not a word nor made she a sign the watch she took from me touched the spring and it opened and there twixt the glass and the gold withered and faded lay a leaf of red rose one leaf and no more for a moment she stood stood and gazed at the leaf her face grew as white as her gown and she trembled and shook like a white swan in dying and then she cried my god i have killed him my lover and down on the floor on the skins at her feet she dropped as one stricken by bullet or lightning it was only last month that we too in trailing trailed a hundred good miles across to the rapids for we wanted to see before going northward if evil had come to the grave of our comrade but the grave lay untouched by beast or by human the grass on the mound was well rooted and growthful at the foot of the grave the rose tree i planted was as high as my head and the leaves of the roses lay as thick as red snowflakes on the mound that was under and we knew that on breast as he slept was her picture so we felt as we gazed it was well with jack whitcomb but often at night when alone in my cabin i hear the low murmur of far northern rapids and often i see the great house and its splendor and wonder if death has helped the proud woman to lay off her grief and escape from her sorrow and blazed a line through the dark valley of shadow and brought her in peace to the edge of the clearing where i know she would see jack whitcomb stand waiting
so i say it again and i say it with knowledge that the woods have their sorrows as well as the cities and he knows but little of this great northern forest who thinks there's naught in it save trees lakes and mountains end of story two